And we're live. Another episode of Athletic Insights, which is a resource for youth sports uh, organizations, parents, coaches, young athletes, uh, all that stuff, looking to get a glimpse in behind the scenes of elite athletics and what it really looks like. We're joined, we're joined here today by another local product, uh, Mitch Beattie. Uh, you weren't born in Brockville. I was. Oh, you yeah, were? Yeah. Okay, so born and yeah. raised in Brockville. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he ended up playing Division Three soccer in the in NCAA in the States. So, yeah. Mitch, do you want to just touch base a little bit about your youth sports experience and what it was like growing up playing sports in Brockville? Yeah, so even before that, just a little bit, um, going back, I missed kind of all the hockey years because I was born here, moved to Australia. And right. in Australia, they it was kind of like you played Australian rules football, cricket, or soccer. Those were the main sports. Uh, dad was a big soccer player back in the day, so played lots of soccer, uh, played at the club there. When we came back to Brockville, there wasn't, at the time, the Brockville Generals Club was just kind of like closing down the mm. soccer club. So I went and played in Kingston, but it was a lot of travel and just, you know, lots of tournaments and different things like that. Yeah. So we uh, ended up playing, or my dad, uh, my mom, and Martin Noe, a couple others, local soccer players in the area, uh, started up a club, St. Lawrence United. Uh, so that kind of became like the club that I played for through early youth and then all through high school, um, pretty much until grade 11. Um, and during that time period uh, in high school and all that, I played every sport that I could get my hands on, mostly yeah. volleyball and basketball, course soccer, ran some track, didn't always enjoy track. But um, yeah, that was kind of the beginnings of how we got into sports yeah, and, and we would have played against each other in some basketball yeah, for sure yeah, we must have we must yep, have we did so uh why don't you touch base about just what specific so obviously growing up in australia that's kind of why you chose soccer but mm -hmm. um was there a point when you realized that you know you're really passionate about it and you wanted to pursue it post-secondary well i think uh, soccer's always been my favorite sport and i think it was when we were in, were in australia and i don't think i even realized it was my favorite sport but it was what i spent all my spare time on it was always like in the backyard learning to juggle learning how to you know take a, a ball off a wall properly all that kind of stuff and every recess at school was playing soccer all the kids and sometimes just by myself kicking a ball mm. around um, so i think even then i realized that it was um it was something I enjoyed more than other sports, uh, but I, it wasn't until about grade 10 or 11 that I think I realized like I wanted to play at a higher level. Um, there was a time period, even maybe a little before that, where I was like, I want to be a pro soccer player, right. just like every kid, you know, wanted to be a pro athlete. Um, and there was a school up in Ottawa that I actually wanted to go to, which was like the academy, like half the day was um, academics right. and then the other half of the day is just soccer. That's it. And I wasn't always like the best in school. So mom and dad said, if I got straight A's, I could go to that school. But that never happened. Wow. Um, so but around that time period was kind of when I was like, okay, well, even if my goal is pro, um, I probably want to play at a higher level, whether that is university or that is professional soccer. Um, and around grade 11, I stopped playing for the local club, St. Lawrence United here. And uh, Brandon Mack, who's another player from Brockville, both of us, made the Ontario Kingston team um, and then didn't like the coaching mm. or any of that kind of the aspects of what they were trying to do for exposure and all that just wasn't sitting right with us. So we went down to Canton, New York and played for a club called FC Freeze. Mm -hmm. uh, and during that time period, it was kind of more like a, a serious like, oh yeah, I, I want to play in the NCAA. Like the atmosphere and just the networking and how the players kind of interacted with each other and all that, I just 
I loved. Right. So the original goal was to go play for St. Lawrence University down there. Yep. Um, but then the school that I ended up at was uh, called Houghton. So it was about an hour south of Rochester area. Right. Um, and it was just because I went and visited the campus and met with the team and the coaches and everything and the overall community and the school I just fell in love with. So that's where I ended up going. That's awesome. And soccer is obviously, like you said, like a very skill-based sport. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we were chatting about before the podcast was um, some undersized athletes in this community and outside this community. Um, they have so much self-doubt and they're so hard on themselves and they don't believe they can do these things because of their their physical stature. So um, do you want to just touch base on, on what it was like to be an athlete playing undersized and, and oh, yeah. then still ultimately getting to live your dream of playing uh, NCAA soccer? Yeah, so one of the, the really key components, especially in soccer, um, the athletes who tend to stay smaller longer in soccer, so whether that's like body weight or like height um often those players learn their technical skills and their um the flow of the game and just like the overall smarts of the game right uh and that's kind of what will separate them later as the playing field of acad or the um playing field of physicality balances out mm -hmm. so when when we we saw it in our club too even here when our team was i don't think we had anybody above like you know five foot six when we were little ends all the way through mm -hmm. most of high school right um when we were younger we'd get beaten like 13 14 15 nothing and right. uh later on probably four seasons later we were beating all those teams because our teams had focused on skill development um learning the flow of the game the smarts the knowledge all that kind of stuff and then when we all became kind of similar sized athletes we were maybe still a little smaller but once that playing level uh, came back, our skills overtook them by a lot. The right. knowledge of the game overtook, uh, yeah, pretty much everything within that realm. So do you think that, or have you noticed that there's kind of maybe, soccer might be a sport where there's different types of ways to play it. Are there guys who strictly rely on athleticism, athleticism and then do you notice guys who are more fine-tuned? Yeah, so that's um, that started kind of coming more into play, I'd say like grade 11, 12, when we were playing at the club down in the States and then definitely in university, that was a case. Like once okay. you reach the high level, physicality obviously is going to be a big time um, difference. So like for D3 soccer to D1 soccer, if you're talking D3 football or basketball to D1 basketball, right? Big Big jump. It's going to be like, you know, the massive dudes and all that kind of stuff. But in, in soccer, you do have D1 athletes for soccer who are, they are just much bigger, faster, stronger, et cetera, know the game or better players. Um, but even like we play D1 schools and we tie or beat them sometimes. And it's not as wide of a range. And okay. a big variety of that is, I think, because the skill base of all that is like the skill set from d3 to d1 actually isn't that much different it, it then does become right. a bit of the physicality okay. um some of the players that we would play with or the teams we play with they would be known for being more physical teams right and they had strikers who are you know like six five and 250 pounds of just pure muscle and you're like that you guy needs to be on the football them. field yeah exactly. <laughs> what the heck yeah so there were those kind of players um typically the the physicality part um, I wouldn't say is as important as a lot of the other sports right. that are out there, especially in the, the NCAA. Uh, but it does make a big difference. Right. Like, or it can make a big difference. Yeah. But yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so one thing I actually really wanted to ask you was um, very similar to myself. You are 25. You're running your own company. Your your life is firing on all cylinders. Congratulations <laughs> on Thanks. the engagement Likewise. in the home. Um, but yeah. So what what did you like? What motivated you from a young age? Because clearly you were motivated to take soccer to the next level. And then mm -hmm. as you transitioned out of elite athletics into the real world, you're clearly motivated to conquer the next step. Hmm. So whether you think it's um, your why changes, right? Yeah, your why changes when you're in high school and when you're playing university. So um, what was your original why? Did it change? And where are you at now? So before uh, I would definitely say everything was just like fun based. Everything was just I just loved soccer, different sports, uh, whatever mm -hmm. it was through high school, like learning ways to make money. I said this on another podcast recently, like I didn't even know what entrepreneurship or like being a businessman was but i always loved trying to find ways to just make money Hustle. so like those kind of things were just fun to me um with sports it was all fun motivated and just having a good time it like sports got me through school if i didn't have sports there would have been no it was more like sports were the motivation for me to get through other things like right. sport was the fun aspect at the end of the day it was the reward so end of an academic day at school there was going to be volleyball practice there was going to be soccer practice whatever um that slowly, I guess, changed once once we got into university. Um, my time management through like studies and all that was not that great. Um, in so university? That, well, in my first year. So right. from high school carrying over into university, I had to learn really quick. My first semester wasn't that great academically at all. So I learned very quickly how to manage my time because, I mean, you're training, you know, two to three hours a day. And by the time you eat, go to classes, do all that stuff, you have like few hours to do your homework maybe some free time and then it changes like the, you know yeah. you're back to it the next day right so the yeah. motivation for that then became like if i don't it was more if i don't get my academics in line then i'm not going to be on the team next season mm -hmm. right so that that was kind of the motivation through university and then again like now it's changed everything again because i'm not playing high level soccer it's it's now more of a personal motivation, I think, for trying mm -hmm. to take something from nothing and growing it into something with a business it's like so you're exciting. doing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we get to be the captains of our own ship, yeah, right? Exactly. So uh, I just want to quickly backtrack because you were mm -hmm. talking about school there. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the young athletes I'm working with, whether they're just trying to get better grades in high school or they're chasing scholarships, what have mm -hmm. you, um, I like how you said the jump from high school to university. A lot of the kids right now I'm working with, whether I'm tutoring them or training them or both, yeah. they're just trying to get in. What are the minimums I need? What do I have to be able to do physically? But they don't understand. Like when you get there, you can't turn it off. You're not there. It gets uh, harder. Yeah, for sure. Like, it, it gets it, harder. It, that's the, the flip I'm trying to switch in these young athletes is, yes, you're doing the things you need to be doing right now, mm -hmm. but you can't, oh, you're studying once a week and you're happy with that. Now you need to do twice a week because you plateau. You need to continue to push yourself with, with the, the studying and um, the training. It's the same, mm -hmm. it's the same thing. So that was it's going to be situational too for everybody, right? Like there's some kids on our team who were like one of my roommates was, he was just smart and he worked hard at it too, but mm -hmm. he was just smart and he understood it. So he didn't have to work as hard with that stuff. Um, and he thrived, but you know, he maybe studied once or twice a week. Whereas if I needed to pass a test, it was like, you better be doing it at least an hour a day or you're in trouble. Yeah. So I was never much of an academic to begin with, but uh, I would definitely attribute sports and being on the team as a huge part of being why I even got through university and graduated. Mm -hmm. Cause that motivation, like 
if you don't pass that class, you don't pass that test, you then you're not going to be able to play or mm. you're sitting out for a few weeks ineligible, right? Yeah. So you better keep your grades up. That's for sure. Great point. School's important. Kids go do that's some right. homework, pause this podcast, yeah, go right. do some homework, come back to it when you're done. <laughs> um, no, just listen to the whole thing. But for, for speaking honestly, school is your degree is the, the prize. Um, whether you end up going to play professional or semi-pro or whatever, uh, that piece of paper and how you applied yourself in classes matter. I have, uh, I played with a lot of teammates, a lot of friends that other took the student athlete concept seriously. And now like the last guest we had on, or I guess next week, Reese Larry, um, and those athletes who apply themselves in school and did the homework, they're doing things in life now. Mm. Um, and I find the ones who didn't really, it might've been doing some cheating or whatever they were doing to pass. They, those guys are the guys who are stuck and they're not understanding what to do with their life. And um, it's heartbreaking to see your brothers go through that, but um, we can be proactive and the next generation of young athletes gets to listen to this. So mm-hmm. listen to your kid, listen to your parents, kids, do your homework, <laughs> apply it to yourself. Yeah. Um, but we're going to move on from that. So why don't you just touch base a little bit about um, your experience playing, uh, playing in the NCAA and, and the jump, uh, the jump mm-hmm. in terms of like mentality from high school. Yeah. So even going back to um, what we're talking about before, like in terms of size. So my parents came to one of the first games that we went to was in Oswego, New York. And um, my coach had put me in left back, which I'd never really played that position before. And there was a senior on the other team that was kind of my 1v1. And he was a huge dude, like massive forward. Yeah. Yeah. Right forward. Just big, fast, strong guy. And every time there was a 50-50 ball, so I came in at 129 pounds Oof. as my like weigh in. So 129 pounds against a guy who was probably like at least 180. And uh, every 50-50 ball, I would just get smacked and like thrown around, right? So you kind of have this first realization of I could kind of I could get away with it. Like even though we were talking before about the physicality leveling out at that point was like the realization of uh, I never lifted like when we were in high school. I never did any of that stuff. It was just running and all that. Then at the end of that season, the, the first thing my coach said to me when we had like our private meetings was you need to hit the gym, like hit the gym every day, eat proper, et cetera. And once that happened, I think over the period of two years, I so I by junior year i was about 165 wow good for you 36 pounds yeah i put on a lot of weight during that time period um that was like a two-year span so i don't think it was quite that by my next year but that did make a huge difference and that was one of the biggest jumps for me was realizing that the physicality eating right all that kind of stuff was sleep so important man sleep was like a game changer too for all that stuff too Mm -hmm. so um the the level of play changes so much more in terms of tactics and all that because we had kind of talked about this before too everybody is is the man right or like they're the the, the woman or the, the whatever person they're, the, on their they're the person yeah for that sport so you've got the people from around here like reese larry who was like the basketball guy or alec mcneil or some of these other people mm. um when you get there, everyone was that person from their hometown. So everybody shows up and you're on that same team. You now realize that you're not just in competition, like against the teams you're going to be playing against, but you're in competition with your teammates to like, if you want to play, you better work hard to get that starting position. And you got to train harder. You got to sleep better, do all the eating right, lifting weights, et cetera. If you want to play in those big moments. And over the course of four years or five years, that's what's going to separate. So Mm -hmm. I was somebody who didn't play in my rookie year. I redshirted. I was at St. FX. 
um, decided to step away for academic reasons. Uh, couldn't focus at that school, too much extracurricular activities at St. Francis Xavier. Lovely school if you could handle it. Um, and then I ended up switching into bishops, more mature, more physically ready. So I, I kind of know what you're, what you're talking about there. Mm -hmm. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, but what do you want? Like, would you have changed anything in your personal approach to sports growing up? Or are you kind of one of those guys who has no regrets? It's kind of tough to say, yeah. I guess. Um, there's always, well, my sister will say this too. She played at the same school. She was an All-American player at the same school. Phenomenal soccer player. Um, she, for her, I think it's a little different because she still wonders, like, could I have played D1 and been like, could I have played at a higher level yeah. thing? Mine wasn't as much. We had a couple little opportunities to go do some pro tryouts that were like lower level pro thing and all that. But by the end of university, I had the realization that wasn't really what I wanted to do. Right. So for myself, it wasn't, there wasn't really a, any huge regrets. I think probably through high school and um, parts of like early university, maybe I would have wanted to do things like hitting the gym earlier and all that because it would have been mm -hmm. a quicker growth to, you know, be a more physical player. A higher or, potential ceiling down the road. Yeah, or yeah. and and it could have led to, you know, maybe I did, I was doing so well that I, you know, I wanted to go into pro athletes or I don't know, whatever. But I, I don't really have a lot of regrets in terms of I, I'm glad I played every sport I could in high school because all of that, um, you know, volleyball helped with, different components in soccer that you wouldn't really think about or basketball or any of those kind of sports everything blended together really nicely and helped in the the focus of sport that i wanted to do later on mm -hmm. um so yeah overall i don't think there's really any regrets that i have yeah no i agree for me um i had one extra year to play football mm -hmm. i didn't play so what had happened was I had actually been told two years previously that once I was eligible for East West, which is what kind of starts the CFL recruiting process, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I was told I was going to be going and they actually debated on sending me um, in my 2018 year, but they were said, no, we're going to send Deshaun this year and you next year. So I had already had my plan for that. And that basically, it throws you into the system. Um, I was on watch lists. Um, I had met some coaches from the Alouettes who knew who I was. Um, but for me, when I got to that point, I kind of just, it was when I started a company and started yeah, a company, yeah. I had started oh, my yeah. business. I kind of just, I, I, I almost did burn out a little bit. At yeah. one point, I just kind of went, <sighs> and then I just kind of looked at my life and I was I was more interested in um, doing research in my last year and, and having the opportunity to become a published sports scientist and, um, and grow my company and start my life. So I don't look at my last year off as a a regret mm -hmm. but there is still always going to be that what if yeah, so for sure um, i understand what your sister's going through with that but mm -hmm. i think you just gotta you know smile and appreciate the the wonderful privilege that you oh, did man. get 100 um, because if i didn't get those opportunities if we didn't get those opportunities and meet those people and those coaches and, and develop that work ethic we're not in this room right now we're not doing what we're doing yeah and um, actually you just triggered something i remembered there when we were actually at my re like recruitment process um i was at a showcase up in ottawa and they had an ex-barcelona player come and he wow. was talking and he actually so he was on the junior team with like Lionel messi and like those guys and xavi alonzo all these people but he developed this like really rare disease that started eating the inside of his body basically like uh -huh. his organs and everything so he dropped out of the squad for two or three years and he believes he would have been on the senior team with all those guys right mm. um and he's back to health and he comes and does more of these kind of talks and Good training and stuff um but the the quote that kind of stuck with me is 
he turned to every kid and said like soccer is not your right like it is not your right to do this it is a complete privilege no matter if you make it to the pro leagues at barcelona mm -hmm. or playing at university or whatever lower than that it is a complete privilege don't ever think that it's a right because it can be taken away from you mm -hmm. any second yeah so that's stuck with me for forever since that moment sports loves no one and everyone loves sports yeah uh, we had a coach who always said football comes second <laughs> and school comes first <laughs> should be the other way around but um yeah he had also mentioned he said football loves no man yeah and uh when you're in training camp and you're competing for a spot that's the things you need to to hear mm -hmm. you need to hear um other people's stories and that was also 100%. a wonder, wonderful story there is there has there been any um role models that have played a role in your uh, sport career and your life in general i mean so my dad uh he coached us for a long time too mom was like the admin side of things in the business or like in the the club mm. um admin so her role was always behind the scenes side of things but like i'm so beyond grateful because she kind of ran the club and like without that we wouldn't have the opportunities to be playing here and playing in the Ottawa and Kingston leagues and getting like the training that we had and all that too. Moms um, are the real MVP. Oh man, they are. I mean, it's, it's crazy what they do for us. Um, and then dad, like with yeah. him coaching me for, I don't know how many seasons he ended up coaching me, but probably like six or seven, but he was always the one, um, in Australia, most of the time he drove me to practices and all that and was the very encouraging, but also, you know, constructive criticism and all that. And hey, you could, you know, look at this a little better, or mm -hmm. check your shoulder, whatever it is. Um, so they were probably some of my bigger ones. Uh, and then at school, like at university, my roommate, shout out to Jesse Toth, if you're watching this, uh, he was a huge role model in terms of like pushing the limits. He's one of those guys that's like a you know, you get 10 bench presses in, you better get that last one up, even though you're feeling like, yeah. you know, your chest is going to give Empty out. the tank. Empty the can. tank. So like he was that kind of guy in all aspects of life. Mm. Um, and that was very motivational and big for me, especially because going into the gym for the first few times and all that, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. It was like a... I know how to pick up some weights like this. It comes quick though, eh? It does when you're come consistent. so quick. And when you've got somebody like that who, who knows kind of what they're doing... Um, he, that's that's a huge motivational inspiration and he helped me a lot too and like with the academic side of things and all that so uh that's that was another big role model yeah. uh, in terms of like the professional world there's there's always going to be pro athletes and everything you look up to and that you've watched like your whole life so mm -hmm. like juan mata for me is one of my okay. all-time favorite players he's a spanish national footballer he plays for man united now um, but just he's one of those guys that he's also like a tiny athlete he's i think five six and maybe 140, 50 pounds, uh, but he he gets time at Man United, right? And yeah, plays on wow. the Spanish national team. Amazing. So those kind of players you look up to because you see kind of similar qualities in yourself, and mm -hmm. that's always fun to watch. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. What were your uh, what were some of your most fond memories of your time playing, and then what was something that really challenged Ooh. you? There's some fond memories for sure. I think we talk, we like reminisce all the time now about like, you know, the glory days of that. And, and a lot of it has become not like, not specific to winning certain games and all that. Um, even, those are still there. Mm -hmm. Um, but the overall just feeling of being on that team and the overall community and 
friendships that you build that like literally last a lifetime like three of the guys on the team are my wedding party now like they're some of my best friends i'll Mm -hmm. have forever Mm -hmm. um so that part is is really cool in terms of the soccer part of it like we took down number five freshman year in the country which was like one of the all-time highlights and i scored the game winner goal which was as i was a freshman too right so it was like our third or fourth game of the year and you know it was a big deal like we're playing number five in the country their name's stevens and it was like we're driving to Hoboken, New Jersey to play this game. So it's like a six hour bus ride. And you're just like hyped the whole time. Must've been a lot of fun on the way home. Man, it was, it was so cool. Um, but even like, I didn't start that game cause my coach was like, I want to go with a big lineup, like physical cause they were a huge team. And I'm this little 129 pound freshman. So like, mm-hmm. why put him in? Uh, and then I think somebody ended up either getting hurt or he wanted to change in the tactics Mm -hmm. and I got put in and this ball just bounced out to me, kneed up a ball, volleyed it into the net from outside the 18. And it was like, I've never been so pumped about a goal. I don't think in my life. That's that's your, like, that's that's your lasting memory that gets the endorphins. Probably one of the highlights. There was another game too against our like arch rivalry in the conference. So I scored another game winner, both goals, actually the tying and the game winner, which were like, Nothing will probably beat that game. Those two right. games will forever stand out in my mind. Yeah. But those yeah, are some sure. career highlights for sure. I, uh, my first and only touchdown at Bishop's. Um, very, very similar. It's just, I had caught in a dig. So it's a, an in-breaking route. So you okay. build yeah, about yeah. 12 to 14 yards and cut straight across the field. Yep. And I had caught it at full speed. Just put a foot in the ground and outran about four players. And then when you break the end zone, because you haven't done that in a game before, you've done it in practice every day. You score yeah. every day in, 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 in practice through high school and university. But you break that end zone and and you hear the crowd roar and yeah. you it's an out of body experience. <laughs> it's um, it's so hard to explain, yeah. isn't it? It's like uh it's like nothing else out there. It's so cool. It was, you know, the accumulation of me working since I was 16 all in one moment. So for me, that was my closure moment. Yeah. The, it was only the second game of the year. And yeah, we went on and we, we played the other eight games to the best of our ability. But for me personally, that was a moment where I was just like, I always just wanted, you've heard me say this, I just want to know if I was good enough. That's yeah. it. And I'm on the field and I'm producing. So exactly. that was really cool for me. Yeah. Um, last thing here before we wrap mm-hmm. up, I just want to get your your take-home message and your deep, meaningful piece of advice to the, the next generation of athletes and specifically undersized soccer players. Yeah, so... Um, um, I'm doing a lot of coaching and stuff still. Um, so the main thing I always say this to our younger soccer players and that too, like, well, you can always tell the kids who want it. Like you can see those kids who and have the that potential eye too. So I just, yeah. That and one, you can see one. like can who's see. taking it seriously and wants to get to that next level. There's two components of it. One, I would say, make sure the fun's still there. Like mm-hmm. the fun without it, you, you actually won't end up going as far. I know so many people who went division one or pro or whatever and dropped out so quick because they hated it and their coaches were basically mm-hmm. like not necessarily like abusing well, them but like yeah. they they're demanding more than they can really do and jacob white talked about that and victoria exactly. Everett talked about that you're not the first person to yeah so yeah. like it, enjoy it while you're growing up don't like let that be a you know a, a part that's going to make you move away from the sport have fun with it but make sure you are working hard and are focusing on your goal um i think there's a place depending on like how good you are but there's a a level that you can reach that's going to be kind of your highest level that's going to be fun to play at whether that's you know like playing for a club team here whether that's then going like to the ncaa division three division two division one you sports going yeah like anything yeah or anywhere here in canada um playing 
at a pro like USL level, um, playing all the way up to something like, you know, professional clubs around the world, Mm -hmm. but have that goal in mind, um, and stick to that work as hard as you can. Don't be disappointed if you're not going to make it, like if you don't make it to that Mm -hmm. full end, but enjoy the experience and the, yeah, what the, what was the word I used before? And I, it's not a right. It's the privilege. Yeah, you, or it's you're not a, yeah. Not your privilege. It's it's just an amazing experience, opportunity that you get to do. Like you, you can be taken away from you anytime. Enjoy the ride. Have fun with it. You another another guest we've had, Mitch Beatty, who's a wonderful role model, um, wonderful future businessman, doing lots of great things in the community. We just really want to briefly, uh, we want to invite every parent, coach, and young athlete in Brockville to our second to podium for life. Um, our second mental health and mindset lecture, which will be February 29th at the Brockford Memorial Center from 12 to 2. There will be a question and answer with uh, elite elite athletes from Brockville and as well as Dr. Andy Thomas, who's a functional medicine doctor. Here at Podium, we'll introduce the mental health and the mindset stuff to the kids and the parents in a safe community-based environment. So please spread the word on that. We'd love to see everyone. It's a free event and all proceeds go right back into youth sports in the community. So Mitch Beattie, um, thank you for your production time. Thank you for your time as a guest. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're out.